0: in your Bibles, if you would, to
1: Exodus chapter 40, Exodus chapter 40. Our first sermon on this book was November 22nd, 2020. Tonight, Lord willing, is our final sermon on this book. Exodus 40, verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. When the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, And fire was over it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel, throughout all their journeys. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you journeyed with your people. That you were the fire, wrapped in the cloud, in the sight of Israel. Journey with us, Father. Lead us. Thank you that we journey with Christ, our true tabernacle, and that he leads us to you, our great Father. We pray these things asking that you would give us focus on your word, free us from distraction, help us to love to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, our book opened with Israel in Egypt. Enslaved under the new king who knew not Joseph, the king who was committing genocide, throwing all the Hebrew baby boys into the river. We heard how God raised up a deliverer, Moses, how he was pulled out of the river, his name means drawn out in Hebrew, he was pulled out and he pulled out Israel. Forty years in Pharaoh's court, forty years in the wilderness, and then he encountered a burning bush that spoke to him with the voice of God. And God at that bush told his name and commissioned Moses to go back to plague Egypt to deliver his people, which Moses did, and brought them out, brought them to Sinai. There received the law of God, the Ten Commandments, the book of the covenant, brought Israel into a renewed covenant with God like the covenant with Abraham from 430 years previously. And then... The climax of what happened at Sinai, God said, "Make me a tent that I might dwell among you. They shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might be their God, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God." Exodus 29: 46. God says, "I didn't bring you out just so you would be free. I brought you out so that I could dwell with you." So the last 15 chapters of the book describe how Israel built a tent in which God could dwell with them. This tent was designed by the Almighty. He showed the pattern to Moses. He described it in great detail. We've seen how that temple, that tabernacle, was raised last week. How Moses assembled the whole thing as the Lord commanded him. Moses finished the work and then the cloud covered the tabernacle and God came and moved in with his people. It's at that highlight, that climax, that the book comes to an end. The book ends with the word journeys, pointing forward to numbers and the route to the promised land, reminding us that we are called to journey with Christ, our true tabernacle, toward the Father, deeper into the knowledge of God god's glory filled the tent of meeting we see that in verse 34 the glory cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the lord filled the tabernacle moses was not able to enter no one is inside the tabernacle at this point i think the text is suggesting that god's glory filled the tent to such a point that in every chink under the door curtains around the edges light burned the glory of god inside the tabernacle was so intense And even from the outside, Israel could say, the glory of God has filled this tabernacle. God was among them. He's still wrapped in the cloud, but his glory is there. He dwells in the midst of Israel, traveling in a tent, just as they do. And yet, even at this moment of climax where God moves in, the reader the attentive reader certainly is frustrated. Why can't Moses enter the Tabernacle of Meeting? Right? It's called the Tabernacle of Meeting and we're told he could not go in and meet God. The whole reason they erected this was to meet with God. But God's glory is so intense that Moses cannot go in. In other words, Exodus ends on an unresolved note. This is a reversal of the situation in chapter 33 where Moses is inside the tent and God is outside and they're speaking through a tent wall. Now, God is inside the tent and Moses is outside and they're still speaking through a tent wall. In fact, you have to turn the page to hear the resolution of this. Leviticus begins with, well, now the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting, saying... And then God speaks to Moses for the first eight chapters of Leviticus, while Moses stands on the porch outside the door of the tabernacle. And God speaks to Moses about one thing, sacrifice. The only way into the tabernacle is through blood sacrifice. Moses Despite everything, despite all the time he spent with God, despite his face shining with the glory of the Almighty, Moses cannot simply walk up to the tabernacle and waltz into the presence of God. God calls to him from within the tabernacle and says, if you want to come into my presence, here is the instructions for how to do it. Here are the different kinds of offerings. Burnt offerings, peace offerings, food offerings... Figure out, do these things, Moses, and then, and only then, will you be able to come in to my presence. In fact, Moses does not enter the tabernacle with God until Leviticus chapter 9, verse 22. They finished ordaining Aaron and his sons. Then Aaron lifted his hand toward the people, blessed them, and came down from offering the sin offering, the burnt offering, and peace offerings, And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. The way into the presence of God is only open through the blood of the Lamb. Moses enters the tabernacle only when there is a true priest to offer a right sacrifice. And when that's been accomplished, he is then welcomed into the presence of God. And his first act on coming out from the tabernacle is to bring God's blessing back to his people. So Moses is not able to enter. There's a theological reason for that. He had to be cleansed with the blood of sacrifice. But the glory filled the tabernacle, and then when the cloud was taken up, the children of Israel went onward. If the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey. Even at the tabernacle, God concealed His glory with the cloud. The fire of His presence was there. The cloud hid His face from the people. In a similar way, if you come into a church today, we believers find much evidence of God's existence, work and power in the church. A non-believer walks in here and says, it's "Nothing special." It's just a bunch of regular people gathered doing their thing. I didn't see God there. I didn't see anything supernatural there. God conceals his glory. His glory is real. It's overwhelming but it is also hidden. In Christ, God's glory was hidden. In the church, God's glory is hidden. Only in heaven will we see His face. In the tabernacle, certainly, God's glory was hidden to a certain extent. Nonetheless, He was there. His presence abides. In fact, we have two points that seem to be opposite. God's presence abides. God's presence journeys. But God clearly does both of these things. Verse 36 and verse 38 mention the journeys of Israel and say clearly that God accompanied them on those journeys. But He also abides. He was in the tabernacle the whole time. The cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle was by day and fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel through all their journeys. God did not come to the tabernacle as to a hotel simply to stay for a few hours and leave again. He came to the tabernacle as a home to move in a place in which he would dwell for centuries. In the same way, God's presence abides with us today. We have, in the first place, an abiding knowledge of God. I've told you that Exodus is the book of the knowledge of God. It centers on Pharaoh's question, Who is the Lord? I do not know the Lord. And it's as if Moses says, you don't know who the Lord is? Let me send ten plagues. That will tell you who is the Lord. The book of Exodus reveals to us who the Lord is. At the beginning of the book, the people didn't even know his name. At least Moses says, what is your name? I don't know the name of the God of my father. And now, God is living with them. Not only do they know his name, he is far closer to them than ever before. His knowledge abides with them. He gives abiding moral guidance too. He shows them where to go in the wilderness. Not just in terms of finding the the oases, leading them to water, but in terms of guidance, what's right, what's wrong, how to live. Of course, the book of Exodus contains a great deal on that. The Ten Commandments, the book of the Covenant moral, legal material describing who the person that's in covenant with God is. God is abiding with Israel, reminding them that his commands still apply, that he is the lawgiver, and that he is alive and well and watching. So does the knowledge of God abide with you? You let the knowledge of God's presence guide your choices, be driven by what his word says about the Christian life. The abiding of God within the tabernacle, of course, is fulfilled in the abiding of Christ. John 1.14, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. John uses that exact verb to say, what was happening in the tabernacle, God's presence with his people, is happening perfectly in Jesus Christ. In Jesus, God dwells with us. He is Emmanuel, Emmanuel. He is the true tabernacle that the Lord set up, not man. He is with us, and through his presence we are full of love, joy, and peace. Finally, of course, the abiding of God with his people in the wilderness is like our abiding with him in heaven, where we will see his face. Not even Moses got to see his face, at least not in this this world, in this life. We will see His face. Micah 5, they shall abide. God is with us. We will not be moved. Psalm 46. When the disciples and crowds saw the face of Christ, they did not see His glory. Many did not believe on Him, for His glory was still, as it were, hidden by the cloud. But in heaven there will be no cloud, only the direct presence of of God, That calls on us today to enjoy his presence enough that we would want to be with him forever in heaven. Every good is just a piece of God's goodness. Every good quality and every good person you know and love, every good thing about this world, is just a little bit of the goodness of God. So God abides. He also journeys. Of course, he guided them from place to place in the wilderness. And in literary terms within the Pentateuch, to end this book with the word journeys, points forward to numbers. And they up stakes, fold up their tents, get in their wagons, and journey on to the next stop, traveling through the wilderness to the promised land. In all their journeys, God was with them. Right To use something they say to never do in seminary, a Lord of the Rings reference, He did not have to run off to a council of wizards to drive out a dark lord somewhere. He was there. He stayed with them. He traveled with them. And guess what? He stays with us. He journeys with us wherever we go as well. What is the destination of those journeys? Where are they going? Well, of course, they're going to the promised land, but why are they going there? The answer is that God is there. Exodus 15, the song of the sea, where they clearly sing about their destination, where they're going. Miriam says to God, You will bring them in and plant them on Your own mountain, O Lord, the place which You have made for Your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which Your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. So where are they going? They are going toward the sanctuary built by God's own hands. Right, not to an earthly sanctuary, not to this tabernacle as glorious as it was. That was built by human hands. But they're going to the place which God's hands established. In other words, they're journeying toward heaven. The Lord is leading them to himself great quote from one of the commentaries, Thomas Joseph White. The movement from Egypt to the promised land is an outward symbol of a deeper and more ultimate journey. The journey of humanity into the knowledge of the very life of God. I will espouse you to me in faith and you shall know the Lord, Hosea 2.20. The supernatural faith of Israel is obscure, but the light that Israel gathers from the law is the beginning of the vision of God promised to us on the last day. Israel is traveling with God toward God. In all their journeys, He is there. and The destination is not simply an earthly promised land, as good as that was. It's a very sanctuary built by God's own hands. That's the goal. And that's our goal too. And God is journeying there with us. He is bringing us with himself, to himself. How badly do you want to come and appear before God? Do you sing the song that we're about to sing? The psalm is the deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you, O God. That's what Israel needed in the wilderness. Not the comforts of civilization, but the comforts of Zion, the place that God established for himself. So what do we do with this? Historically speaking, Israel pitched the tabernacle and God moved in and journeyed with them. The good news is that God has not changed. He still lives with us in Christ and journeys with us toward the heavenly promised land. And thus, in all our journeys, we should look for the fire of His presence. It's hidden for our protection behind His cloud. Where do we see the fire that is God. We see it whenever someone repents and turns to Christ in terms of salvation. We also see it when someone who's already a believer repents, turns away from something wicked that they were doing. We see it in the beauty of creation. We see it in the fruit of the Spirit. Look for the presence of God. I would also say, reject the light of Pharaoh for the darkness of God. Another quote from White, The book of Exodus begins in darkness and ends in light. The Israelites are delivered from the darkness of slavery and and enter into the luminous glory of the covenant. The vision of God granted to Moses in Exodus 34 illuminates his visage and serves as a promise to all Israel. God wishes to share with Israel the knowledge of his own identity. Or perhaps the imagery might be reversed. The book begins in the region of the light of man represented by Pharaoh a world of reason marked by efficiency, calculation, and cruelty. As the people of Israel move out of Egypt, they pass over into the darkness of God, represented by the cloud that always accompany them. We operate by faith in the cloud that conceals God's glory. To leave leave Exodus, to leave Egypt, you have to want something more than the leeks and the garlics And the flesh pots. You have to believe that Jerusalem is greater than Python and Ramesses, that Pharaoh is not omnipotent, that there is life outside the Egypt of this world. It is worth giving up everything to go into the wilderness and follow the mediator from here to eternity. We walk by faith and not by sight. In Egypt, you're not called to walk by faith. To live according to the way the world works, all you have to have is faith that your neighbors are going to be okay. No, well, the way the world does it is good enough for me. And the people said that over and over to Moses after they left Egypt. Why did we leave? Life was better in Egypt. To travel into the darkness of God, to leave. The bright lights, big city of Egypt, and go into the darkness of the wilderness was very difficult. To walk with God is not easy. Certainly nothing about the book of Exodus would tell us that it is. Israel complained in the wilderness. Israel had to live at Sinai for the better part of two years. Israel was pursued by Pharaoh and his hosts. Fought with Amalek and Midian. Well, no, fought with Amalek. Uh, had episodes with no water, no, no meat. This is part of the Christian life. To leave the comforts of the world and say, I don't want what the world has to offer. I want what Jesus has to offer So we've said that Exodus is the book of the knowledge of God. We need to know God, then, as this book portrays Him. In the book, He reveals Himself in several ways. Very obvious things that come up. uh, I listed. He is Yahweh. That's what He tells Moses in chapter 3. He is Savior. That's what He shows in chapter 11 and 12 with the Passover. He is fire. Again, chapter 3 with Moses and then the fire and cloud. He is lawgiver, chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. He is tabernacler as he dwells among his people. He is destination. The book ends with journeys. Where are they going? They're going to God. Now, if instead of the story that the book tells, we had simply been given a list, God is Yahweh, God is fire, God is Savior, God is lawgiver. We wouldn't know how to understand these terms, but the Lord told us the story of his dealings with Israel, and in the context of Exodus, we understand every one of these identities. God reveals himself as Yahweh. I am who I am. The God who is dependent on nothing outside himself. The God who upholds all things by the word of his power. Know him as that. The God who needs nothing who requires nothing, who provides everything. Know Him as Savior, the God of the Passover, the God who hides His people under the blood of the Lamb, but who slaughters the firstborn of Egypt, brings His people out. Know Him as that, as Savior. Know Him as fire, the bush that burned and was not burned up, the self-feeding fire. He needs no fuel from outside himself. There is no fire on earth that can burn without fuel. God needs nothing. He is self sustaining, uncreated fire. The fire of his presence rested above and within the tabernacle in all their journeys. Know him as that, the energy, the uncontained power of God. Know him as lawgiver. You need to learn the Ten Commandments. You need to know how to apply them in every situation that comes up in life. God didn't give us the Ten Suggestions, as we've all said many, many times. Know Him as the One who says, if you follow Me, if you claim Me, these are non-negotiable. Honor your Father and Mother. Have no gods before Me. Do not covet. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. The Lord tells us what he wants. There's no sitting around wondering, Oh, if only I knew what God requires. Know him as tabernacler. Almost 15 chapters of Exodus are given over to describing the tabernacle, the preparations for the tabernacle, the materials of the tabernacle, the construction of the tabernacle, the personnel of the tabernacle, the furniture of the tabernacle. The story of how they got out of Egypt takes 15 chapters. The story of how they built the tabernacle also takes 15 chapters. No, God is the one who dwells among us. He is not remote in heaven. He is with us. Emmanuel. We don't have a cool portable tent where we can see the fire of God's presence. We have something better. We are told that God's presence is in the gathering of His people. We don't have to repair and fix it and maintain a tent. We are ministering to real, live, flesh and blood human beings. We need each other. We love each other because in each other we see Christ. Finally, know God as destination. It's the one toward whom you're journeying. What is the point of this earthly life? It's to meet God, to know Him, to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. We're not here for nothing or for our own pleasure. We are here to go to the place that God's own hands have established. So seek God's presence. The story ends with the presence of God coming and dwelling among Israel. How do we find the presence of God? We find it through Jesus. He is our priest, a greater priest than Aaron. He is our mediator, a greater mediator than Moses. He is our tabernacle, a greater tabernacle than the one made of boards and fine twined linen and blue and purple and scarlet yarn and ram's hair and goat's hair and dolphin skins. Jesus is our priest who repairs and maintains our relationship with God. He is our mediator who speaks to us on God's behalf. He is our tabernacle who dwells among us and brings the presence of God to us every day. Believe Him, trust Him, obey Him, learn His ways, go with Him in all your journeys. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. The cloud was over the tabernacle by day and fire upon it by night in the sight of the house of Israel in all their journeys. Lead us from the light of Pharaoh into the darkness of God. Or lead us from the darkness of Egypt into the light of God. But above all, Father, go with us. Abide. Take us along with yourself. Bring us safely to your heavenly kingdom. We thank you that your Son died to deliver us from this present evil age. Don't let us love the leeks and the garlics. Or want to dwell in Python and Ramesses as slaves to Pharaoh, or to a greater Pharaoh, to the devil. Thank you, Father, for delivering us from the world, the flesh, and the devil, bringing us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your marvelous light. We pray that you would continue to deliver others, that you would not let hell's gates prevail.